Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate and follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Do your due diligence mostly on the operator themselves, their background, their track record, who it is they are as people, then focus on the deal in the market second. Hello and welcome, Best Ever listeners, to another episode of the Actively Passive Investing Show. I'm your host, Travis Watts. In today's episode, what we're focusing on are the biggest challenges that multifamily apartments face today. So we're basically revealing the elephant in the room, right? We're in a rising interest rate environment. We'll see how far that goes. There's turmoil around the world. We've got Russia, Ukraine stuff going on. We're in a very high inflationary environment. So that's a lot to digest. And it's on a lot of people's minds as to what this means for multifamily or how to interpret this kind of data. 
And as always, I'm going to take the complex, try to make it as easy as I can to digest and understand, and we are going to address these challenges in today's episode. All right, let's get started. I've made five quick points that I want to cover with you guys, and the first point is the great thing about multifamily real estate is that it is essential. People do need a place to live at the end of the day, despite what's happening with the economy, the stock market, or what's happening overseas, or even domestically for that matter. Multifamily apartments, and more specifically affordable housing or workforce housing, is very much in demand right now and has been for the last 20, 30 years. And a different way to look at it would be this. Think about a lot of different stocks out there. Not every company, I would argue, is completely essential. We'll take a stock like eBay, for example. None of us have to use eBay, right? It's not part of our livelihoods. I guess maybe if that's your career or something like that, your side hobby. But for most of us, we could let a stock like that go or sell it off and be fine. For most of us listening to the show here, we can't do the same with our housing. We deem that to be pretty necessary, pretty essential. So something to think about when it comes to choosing what you're going to invest in, whether you're currently a real estate investor or currently a stock investor or not an investor at all, always think about the demand and the essentialness. I don't know if that's really a word, but think about how essential it is to society. So with apartments, in my opinion, there's a little bit of risk mitigation already built in from the get-go. The second point that I want to make is that multifamily apartments, when stacked up to just real estate as a sector in general, tends to be the most stable and the most consistent. If you look at the actual stats and facts of this asset, think about real estate at large. Let's involve all commercial and malls and warehouse and retail and office and hospitality and self-storage. Multifamily apartments really are not that volatile and they really are that stable. So again, from the investor perspective, when you're thinking about what to invest in, it's important to understand your own risk tolerance and can you stomach volatility. There's also publicly traded real estate versus private real estate. And when you're investing publicly in a, in a REIT or a master limited partnership or whatever it is on the stock market, you are subject to the volatility of the market itself. You have both cyclical risk, but systematic risk. And systematic risk refers to if the stock market at large is down in a big way, let's call it 40%, more than likely whatever you're holding as far as real estate is concerned is down with it as well, at least to a point. It may not be all the way 40, but it'll probably be down. And the third point I want to dissect because it's what I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, and that's interest rates. So the feds come out to say, we anticipate raising rates. We have to tackle this inflation that's happening. That is historically speaking, that's negative for the pricing of real estate because people can afford less when interest rates are higher, when mortgages are higher. Makes sense, right? But here's the cool thing about private real estate anyway. If you're going to buy, whether it's a single family home or you're investing in a real estate private placement or syndication, you can underwrite for that actually occurring. So if the numbers still make sense, even after factoring in that interest rates may go up, it might still make sense to do the deal. I'll give you an example. You're buying a property today, whether it's single family, multifamily, whatever. You're going to get, let's call it a 4% interest rate, but you believe that interest rates might be up to 6% here in just a few years. So you just run your underwriting in your math based upon that 
And then again, if the whole IRR return still makes sense, you might still want to move forward with the project rather than letting a factor like that scare you off completely. Now, again, when you're in some of these evergreen funds, which means that they continuously are buying and selling real estate, or if you're in a publicly traded REIT on the stock market that's always buying and selling properties, unfortunately, they can't underwrite in the same way. Meaning if I got in one of those funds 10 years ago, well, that wasn't the environment we're in today, right? So then when the Fed comes out and says, okay, we're about to hike interest rates 1%, that stock is very likely to fall because people are thinking it's going to hurt the price of the real estate. So in the private sector, not so much the case in the public sector, that would be the case. So another pro to investing privately in real estate versus publicly. On the same note, I've talked a lot about cap rates. I did an episode uh, a few back where I analyzed cap rates, what that means, how they work, the definition of them. So with cap rates, every syndicator that I partner with as an investor underwrites conservatively. So if we're going in and we're purchasing a property today and the cap rate is 4%, just for example purposes, they're going to underwrite for a softer market condition down the road. Now, we don't want that to happen, of course. That's not a good thing. But they're going to underwrite to sell the deal at, let's call it a five cap, or even I've seen as much as like a six and a half cap from four, which means that, of course, they're thinking that the price of the real estate could actually come down. And again, if the number still makes sense for you, the investor, it doesn't have to be something that scares you off. Because if you look at the 50-year chart or 20-year chart of cap rates, they have just come down, 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 just like interest rates have. So what's the probability they go lower? I don't know. They might. But what's the probability that they start bouncing up and go higher? They might. So let's always think about the worst case scenario, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. So again, as an investor, you're always looking at your criteria. You're always looking at your risk tolerance. You're thinking about things like volatility. You're thinking about private versus public. You're thinking about individual asset versus fund model. There's a lot to factor in, but keep these top of mind. Fourth point I want to share with you is about financing and about getting loans. So another great thing about real estate is that you can negotiate flexibility within the loans. You can do a certain period of interest only, for example. You could use agency debt like Fannie and Freddie for longer term holds on properties, 10 years plus, let's say. One advantage to that is sometimes you can lock in some really great rates and have a low fixed rate mortgage on it. But one of the cons to agency loans is that you can have a high prepayment penalty. So if you get an off-market offer or you want to refinance sale early, something like that, you can be affected by that negatively. But to the point of saying that this is a pro topic here, you can also get private money and private loans that may have no prepayment penalties or much lower prepayment penalties or only have, let's say, 12 to 18 months from a lockup period perspective to then allow you to offload your properties in the future in a shorter time frame. Additionally, what I'll add to this is that you can purchase interest rate caps. So it's kind of like, think of it like an insurance policy. If you're getting a 4% interest rate today and you think they're going up in the future, you could buy a cap at 5%, which means if you're holding that property and the Fed decides they're raising rates to 7 or 8, you're going to be capped at 5%. So it's just a way to mitigate risk 
in a rising inflationary and interest rate environment like we have today. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. The fifth point and really kind of the final take-home point for this is that you can insure real estate. And that's also a beautiful thing when you're thinking of it as an investment and not just your owner-occupied home. There could be a flood. There could be a fire, vandalism, theft, hurricanes, tornadoes, you name it. It can be tricky to insure a stock portfolio, back to kind of the, the example I gave earlier of, of purchasing an eBay stock, it can be tough to insure something like that. There's some risks, I guess is the point that I'm making, that can be addressed proactively with real estate. But then let's talk about some additional risks because quite frankly, it's not all rainbows and butterflies, right? There are some definite cons and this would be said to any investment, but let me share a few of these. So there's risk such as political risk that's really not in any of our control. There's really not much any of us can do about it besides vote. And that would be what we saw during the pandemic where the government says we have eviction moratoriums in place, right? You cannot evict your residents even if they're not paying you rent. That was a tough one to battle. But the groups that I partner with in these syndications, they did the best that they could. They kept great communication with the residents. They shared with them what opportunities are out there job-wise and stimulus-wise and rent relief-wise. And it's really about all you can do in, in that scenario and then just hang tight and hope for the best. But it is a risk to consider when you're investing in an asset class like this. There's another big risk that a lot of folks don't talk about, and it's the risk of not being able to execute your business plan for any given reason. So again, the folks that I partner with when I do a syndication investment have a track record. They usually specialize in one kind of business plan. They've got proven results, and it's about all you can go by. But then you have these risks like what we're seeing right now with the supply chain. That's another big risk happening, right? It's tough to get supplies. And as you all know, with new cars and the microchips, I mean, we're just so behind right now in so many different things. So let's say 
of course, I'm making this up for example purposes, but let's say we're renovating a, a ton of apartments or a big 600 unit apartment building, and we're going to put a value add business model over it. So we're going to put all new appliances and kitchen flooring and countertops and all this. Let's say they stop manufacturing appliances, refrigerators, stoves, microwaves. Well, then we can't put them in the property, right? If we can't buy them, then we can't properly execute the value-add plan. And now prospective renters come in and they see these old 25-year-old appliances and go, I don't think so. I'm not going to rent here. So that's going to hurt our ability to raise rents and to effectively do a value-add business plan. So something else to keep in mind that's really tough, supply chain, I guess you could pre-order as much as you can and, and store it somewhere. But you know, the logistics around that could be challenging. So just keep in mind that there's risk to any kind of investment. Those are just a couple examples of what we're seeing in the environment right now. Another headline you guys may have seen here lately is that wages are on the rise. Obviously, when inflation happens, things get more expensive. People start demanding more money. We're in a big labor shortage as a country. So if our maintenance personnel goes from 25 an hour to 40 bucks an hour, that's going to matter. And if that happened, that means that our on-site property managers probably want to raise two. And that means any contractors we work with want to raise two. So if you're not properly underwriting and anticipating this kind of thing, then you might be in some real trouble. So it's important to work with groups as an investor who are very conservative in their underwriting. And if you're doing your own deals, remember that real estate is a people business. It is a team sport. So anytime you're working with people, you need to think about people problems, one of those being wages. So here's a few final thoughts to wrap up this episode. If you're going to invest in multifamily apartments in 2022, here's what I suggest. Number one, start by identifying your goals. What is it both short-term and long-term that you're trying to achieve? Is it net worth? Is it passive income? Is it send my kids to college? Is it retire early? You need to get clear on what you're really doing before you even get started. This is just Aside from multifamily, this is just becoming an investor. Get clear on your why first. Number two, get educated. Read books, listen to podcasts, find mentors, get a, a coach, paid or unpaid. Just attend events, attend meetups, launch a meetup. Get out there, get on forums like Bigger Pockets. You need to be educated at least from a fundamental perspective so that you can grow and launch from there and that you understand, again, your goals and your mission, what you're trying to accomplish. Number three, only work with operators in the space that match and meet your criteria. So this is a big problem that people get into is this analysis by paralysis. They get out there and they get on 100 lists for all these syndication deals and they're being sent deals left and right and they don't know which ones to pick or what to do. You got to start with steps one and two to get to step three. So I'm in the business these days of unsubscribing, <laughs> quite frankly. I don't know how my email has been circulated out there to literally hundreds of groups, but I'm constantly unsubscribing when I see something that doesn't match my criteria, like new development, or maybe it's some crypto thing. And, and again, I'm not saying that new development's bad or that crypto's bad. They don't help me meet my goals and they don't match my criteria. For someone who lives on monthly cash flow and passive income, those generally speaking are not going to help me accomplish that. 
Number four, do your due diligence mostly on the operator themselves, their background, their track record, who it is they are as people, then focus on the deal in the market second. Because again, one of the biggest risks is that they can't actually execute the business plan. So if that can't occur, nothing else really matters, right? If you've got a terrible operator in a great market, you're likely going to break even or lose money. And last but not least, my whole philosophy on life and the reason I do these shows and try to help inspire you and other listeners is start building your passive income stream so that you can focus more on the things that you love doing and you can spend less time on the things you do not enjoy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Actively Passive Investing Show. I'm Travis Watts. Let's connect on social media. I'm on Bigger Pockets. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on JoeFairless.com. I'm at AshcroftCapital.com. Let's connect. Let me help in any way that I can. I appreciate your feedback, comments, likes, subscribes. We'll see you next time on another episode of the Actively Passive Show.